Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, here we go. Matthew chapter 19 from the New King James Version. And here's what it says. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, not only multitude, but multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. Just sort of matter of factly, it says about these multitudes and all the sick people there, and he healed them there. This shows us the heart of God. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. So evidently, he saw the Father healing all these people. And so he healed them all. And he healed them there. Verse 3, the Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife just for any reason? (laughs) Boy, they're, they're asking him a loaded question. And he answered and said to them, have you not read... Uh, that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Well, this is a pretty profound and pointed response to what they said. And so let's read on a little further and then we'll come back and hit some of the highlights. Verse 7, they said to him, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? Or in other words, and to divorce her. And he said, Jesus said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, Whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. His disciples said to him, if such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, all cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus, In other words, without the genitals to be able to uh, have marital intercourse, have children and such. There are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs. Well, let me start back at the beginning. For there are eunuchs who were born thus, some kind of an abnormality in birth. Uh, And it goes on to say, Uh, from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men, maybe through war or some torture or something. And it goes on to say, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of God's sake. In other words, people in history he's talking about who felt like they were doing something to uh, keep themselves from any sexual activity as sort of a lifetime fast, and they've made themselves eunuchs. And they're not going to marry, they're not going to have any sexual activity and such. He said, he who is able to accept it, let him accept it. But notice, he started off saying, all cannot accept this. 
Okay, and then he begins to go into some other things. But let's just take this marriage uh, issue that he, he's asked about and how he responds. So they said, can a man divorce his wife for just any reason? And Jesus gives this pretty pointed response. And he says, he who made them at the, begin the beginning, notice it says made them male and female. So Jesus is uh, clearly addressing how God created human beings. Some are male and some are female. That's it. That's, that's what the Bible tells us, how, how we're made. Let me tell you, we need to understand the creator. Let, let's say it this way. The manufacturer knows how we're created. You may feel differently about it. You may have emotions about it. But the bottom line is, it is what it is. You know, we can tell a child, you know, that's not blue, that's red. Okay, but if it's blue, it's blue. So just because somebody thinks it's red or feels it's red or wants to call it red, that doesn't mean that it's red. No, God made us the way that we are. And just because you feel like you're something different, it doesn't make you something different. Though you can believe that if you want to, it doesn't make it so. See, and so the Bible says God made us, Jesus said, God made us male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, a man shall be joined to his wife. A man shall be joined to a female, to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Well, and this is also talking about in intercourse, uh, that there is a physical joining that happens there. And there's something that goes on with that married couple when they come together to consummate their marriage. And they are connected, physically connected. But uh, Jesus is saying, when you come together in marriage, God makes that couple one. And so they're no longer two. Now, of course, they, you know, after the uh, sexual encounter, they can go on and one can go to the store and one can go off to work somewhere else and they're in two separate places. But Jesus is saying, no, just because they still have their independent and their distinct lives, that doesn't mean that in God's eyes, they're not one. They are fused together. They are one in marriage. So this is the way God made it. And it's a partnership. Now they're stronger together. See, and so if we could just see it the way that God intended it, oh, it would make all the difference in the world. And I'm not saying that there aren't many complications that happen. Oh, let me tell you, there are a world of complications that happen. And the enemy throws a lot of these things at us. And of course, people comply with them. But Jesus said, that they become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. That's a clear response. But they said, why then does Moses command to give a certificate of a divorce and to put her away or to you know send her away and divorce her? And he said, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart. Jesus didn't indict Moses. He said, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart. He was dealing with you people, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's talking specifically about the Jewish people. And it's not just the Jewish people, but he's responding to what they said. Why did Moses command that we give a certificate of divorce? He said, because the hardness of your heart. Let me tell you, I think any pastor who's been in the ministry for any length of time and has done any marital counseling for years would know you can have two people that were in love, they got married, they thought everything was going to be great, but there is now such hurt, anger, hatred, 
bitterness and the way they're treating each other, the way they're talking to each other. It could be one-sided, but many times it's two-sided. In other words, it may have started on one side, but it's both. Both are speaking vicious, toxic words, and words destroy. And of course, physical abuse also destroys. But even just with words, oh, these two people living in the same house are absolutely destroying each other's lives. The hardness of heart has set in. Even if one person feels like, well, I'm, I'm not the one at fault. Yeah, but it could be that you've slipped into now being vicious and toxic and you're destroying somebody else, even if you feel it's justified because of what they've done to you. And Jesus said Moses ran into these situations where it, it is counterproductive to leave this couple together because they're destroying each other because their hearts have become so hardened toward one another. And so Jesus said, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. That was never the intention from God. Marriage is to be till death do us part. In other words, the only way we get out of this is to die. And so Jesus is bringing it right back to the original, the way we're created, the way that God wants it to be and such. And uh, then he's going to go on. I'm going to follow this up with a little bit of understanding of what we can do if you have been divorced and are, uh, have gone through this situation before. But let me get to this next part now. Jesus said, uh, and verse 9, I say to you that whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So if uh, you have a spouse that has committed adultery, sexual immorality, not just adultery of the heart, but they've actually committed sexual immorality, sexual immorality, adultery, broken the marriage vow. And Jesus said that unless that has happened to you, then you would be committing adultery by breaking this. Okay. Now, there, there are different views on this. I think Jesus is holding the line pretty strong here. And notice he says this, I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. Jesus is clearly saying, look, if two people made a lifetime commitment to, to each other, well, if one broke that commitment and such, then this person going on, say somebody went and became one with another person. Now, this person now is left over here. If they now move on, Jesus is saying, well, he, he didn't say they were the one that committed adultery because it was their spouse that committed adultery. But notice this. He says, but whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. So here's this person that is divorced and maybe it was their spouse that committed sexual immorality, but Jesus said, whoever marries this person who's divorced commits adultery. Now, why is that? Somebody saying, wait, that's not fair. Hold on just a minute. You, you have to understand how God sees this. God sees these two people having become one in covenant. He made them one. So you can't just say, well, they did wrong. So now all of that's out the window. God's saying, no, that's not out the window. And somebody marrying this person who is now divorced, they're committing adultery. What does that mean? Does that mean that that person, if, if somebody's remarried, that they're going to live in adultery for the rest of their lives? No, that's not what that means. But here's what it does mean. The, the remarriage, 
when you have a living spouse, there's been a divorce and the remarriage, God has to call that adultery for this reason. Because he can't deny that the oneness for life was not broken, is not being violated. So here's a divorced person, and they made this lifetime commitment to their first spouse, and now they're turning around and making the same lifetime commitment to somebody else, and somebody else is making a lifetime commitment who already has a lifetime commitment that they made. Jesus is just clarifying and saying, look, you cannot take this lightly. Marriage covenants are serious and for life. And if you're coming in to uh, marry a person that's divorced, you're crossing a lifetime covenant. There's just no doubt about it. If you're marrying somebody for the second time, you're crossing a lifetime covenant. It is not to be taken lightly. And Jesus coming as God and saying what the Father would say, he's clarifying for us the seriousness of this. In our society, even in the Christian world, we have not taken this as serious as we ought to take it. We ought to uh, go into marriage with a which with much more seriousness than we do, and we ought to consider our options in a marriage that's difficult uh, much differently than we do, realizing that God takes it seriously. And by the way, I've seen God heal so many impossible-looking marriages, impossible-looking, and He can do it. And not every time do you have two spouses that are willing to comply with that. Sometimes I've seen one spouse take it to prayer and God eventually changes the heart of the other spouse that looked like it would never change, but he changes the heart. And so Jesus is taking these things seriously and saying, look, if somebody made a lifetime commitment and there's a breaking of that and now there's another lifetime commitment being made, Jesus is acknowledging, no way, that's that's still an adultery. But it doesn't mean that that new marriage is... Uh, being lived out in adultery. And there's some things that Paul said about it. If you have an unbelieving wife that wants to leave you and not stay with you, or a husband that wants to leave you and not stay with you, you can let him depart. And the believer's not under bondage in such cases. So I do believe that the Lord blesses remarriages. I know so many remarriages, second marriages, and even in cases, third marriages could be even more. I don't know a lot of... uh, Uh, marriages with that high of a number. But let me just tell you, when you're walking in the Lord, all sin is forgivable. Praise God. That doesn't mean we should sin. We should not sin. But the Lord is so gracious. Jesus paid for all the sins. And so what we need to know is, look, I've got sin that I need to forget about and not be guilty for and just move on. I think Jesus is not trying to get anybody to be guilty about something that's happened. We should receive the cleansing by the blood of Jesus and now move with faith and say, from now on, I want to do it God's way. I want it to work the way God wants it to work. And I'm going to do everything that I can to see that happen. Uh, So Jesus is trying to get us to look forward, not to look back with any guilt or condemnation. And many people have not been taught very well, and they're in a learning process, and the Lord understands that too. But marriage is important. Marriage is very important. So now the disciples uh, said, well, it's better not to even marry. And so Jesus said, no, not everybody can accept that. Not everybody's called to that. And so unless you really felt called to that, then... Uh, don't feel like you're doing something wrong by having a desire to be married. 
because that's that's very natural and normal and the way that God made people. Verse 13, Then little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray, but the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. Thank God for the love of God for little children. That's how, that's how precious God is. All human life is valuable to God. Every human being, regardless of age, is created in the image and likeness of God, and God loves us. Verse 15, And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. Verse 16, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit or have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. Well, Jesus is God too. But Jesus is checking him. Why do you call me good? No one's good but God. And of course, Jesus is God. But Jesus always deferred to the Father, by the way. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, and somebody might say, wait, I thought we're not saved by works. That's true. But he's talking to a Jewish person now. Nobody can yet be born again until after the resurrection of Christ. And so he's telling him, here's what you need to do. You need to live right before God. And even after you get born again, you need to live right before God. That's what God asks of us. And so verse 18, he said to him, which ones or which commandments? Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. By the way, that's a huge one right there. The young man said to him, all these I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Oh, he set Jesus up. Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell. And of course, he's not talking about being absolutely perfect, never having done anything wrong. He's saying, you want to be complete? You want to actually live right with God and for God? Go sell what you have and give it to the poor, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Jesus is giving this rich young man an opportunity to become one of his disciples. Come follow me. And you wonder if this man couldn't have been Judas' replacement because this man's a very wealthy young man, obviously knows how to handle money, and Judas was the one carrying the money box. Isn't that interesting? And so this could have been an opportunity to become the 12th apostle that replaced Judas instead of Matthias in Acts chapter 1, verse 22. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possession. Didn't want to let go of his possessions and obey the Lord and follow him. Verse 23, then Jesus said to his disciples, assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Notice he used the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God interchangeably, which they are. And so verse 25, when his disciples heard it, what Jesus said, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? I mean, if a rich person can't enter the kingdom of heaven, it's harder for him to enter than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Who then can be saved? And he went on to say, but Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Anybody, rich or poor, <laughs> uh, slave or free, anybody with any 
baggage or whatever can be saved by the power of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is just saying it's harder for some people than others because of what their dependencies are, what their salvation is, where, where they put their trust. Then Peter answered and said to him, see, we have left all and followed you. He's trying to make sure that he's okay. We've left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus answered them, assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration or in the kingdom of God, the coming of the end of the age, when the son of man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands, possessions, for my namesake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. And so Jesus is talking about how difficult, how much more difficult it is for wealthy people to be get, become saved because they don't want to obey because they have to be willing to do whatever God says to do. And a lot of wealthy people, they even if they're believers, they don't want to tithe. They don't want to give that first 10%. They don't want to give offerings and such because they think that's a lot of money. And I want to hang on to my money. Why? That's their dependency. And so they'll be disobedient to God to hang on to their money. Well, who really has their heart, God or money? <laughs> money. See, and so that's why Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. Well, let me tell you, in the United States where I am, most people don't realize that they're wealthy because by American standards, they may not consider themselves to be wealthy, but by the world standards, they are. They're wealthy. They have so many options. They, you know, if they get sick, they go buy some medicine. They go to the doctor. They've got so many options that they don't have to depend on God. People that don't have those options, there are no doctors. They don't have any money. They don't have any supply. They are starving. They are sick. They are diseased. There's no medical attention. Now you're depending on God. But people that have options galore in their lives, they're wealthy. And so Jesus said it's hard for them to enter the kingdom of heaven because they have other options to get them by and to take care of their needs. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't care how many options I have. I want to look to the Lord. I don't want anything to uh, be so important to me that I am not completely obedient to God and submitted to him. And oh, friend, I pray that's for you as well. Well, thank God for his word. You know, God is addressing things in our hearts, isn't he? Father, help us in Jesus' name to be like this and to not allow money or possessions or options or anything to keep us from being the people that you called us to be. And Lord, I pray for anyone who has been divorced and remarried in Jesus' name. Oh, I thank you, Lord, that all that sin, whatever it may be, even if it was not their fault, but yet, Lord, they have now gone on to another marriage. Everything you're saying here, forgive, Lord. Thank you for a fresh start. Thank you that they don't live under any cloud of guilt. Oh, you're a good God. And we walk clear from guilt because, Jesus, you paid for all of that. Thank you now that this new marriage is blessed, or the one that they will have if they're not yet married, that it will be blessed, Lord, and it will be the marriage that you want it to be and that they want it to be. Thank you for your grace and your goodness, Lord. We pray it in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. 
And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com slash give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.